Hello and welcome to Podcast 79 of the Amateur Skeptics. I'm your host, Brian Heineser. I have a number of co-hosts this evening, uh, starting with with uh, welcoming back Michael. Hey, everyone. Uh, Mac. Hey. Hey. And Good evening. Ian. Yep, Ian. Good evening, everybody. And it wouldn't be the same without Kimberly. Oh, you guys are sweet. Aren't we How's doing? everyone doing tonight? I'm doing good. You? I'm good. Boy, we have a lot of stuff in here, so let's get right into announcements and get that out of the way. Okay, sounds good. So, uh, this coming Saturday, it looks like we've got the Fort Collins Skeptic Camp, which I have not heard much else about, except that it's happening. I'll uh, be next speaking week- there. You're speaking there, huh? I'll be speaking there. Excellent. Oh, you know anything else about it we should mention? Um, no, I think everyone should go up there and, and help uh, them learn what a skeptic camp should be all about because it's their first one. No, it's not. Oh, okay. It's not second one. It's their second. They one? did one at the school, but I wonder if this is a different. Is this group different? Up there. This might be different because Kai put one on at the school, and uh, that was quite good actually. But I don't know. This is different. Right, well, well, we'll be looking for a report it. about it next time. Yeah, because I spoke it. I spoke at it the uh, at the first one. Mm. Well. On Tuesday, February 26th at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, they're doing a film screening of Chasing Ice. I actually saw this one. It's a real eye-opener on climate change and, yeah. and what it really means uh, graphically of, of the ice melting and what it looks like. So uh, I would I would suggest it to anybody who wants to do it. Yeah, there's some good stuff about um, people in Finland talking about what the changes that are happening up there. Yeah, this was a scientific study, and it talks about how they got financed and the difficulties of setting it up, and then some really amazing images. So it's a good one. Okay, on the 27th, we've got Richard Dawkins and Catherine Stewart down in Colorado Springs at Armstrong Hall. If you're up in Denver, you may want to go back to the museum for 60 Minutes in Space, which is their free program. On Thursday the 28th, uh, Dawkins and Stewart will be in in Denver at the Colorado Convention Center. I just bought my ticket for that, so I'm excited about going there. And on Monday, or I'm sorry, Friday, March 1st, uh, Catherine Stewart is going to be doing a reception uh, first at the Hub at like 5 o'clock to 6.30 and then up in Boulder. And um, it's she's the one who kind of got this whole thing started. And Michael, maybe I can turn that over to you for a little bit more information. I'm um, sure. the Both of the panels, both in Colorado Springs and Denver, will be about the uh, Good News Club primarily. And it's an organization that uh, indoctrinates children to bully other children on the schoolyard into becoming Christians. Right. And the bad, really bad thing about this is that it, it looks like as though it's being sanctioned by schools, even though it's not, um, with the way that they've gotten into the schools. And so it's yeah, become a real problem. Yeah, children can't tell the difference. Should be a good talk. Okay, on Sunday, March 3rd, the Pikes Peak Skeptic Society is doing a program on AIDS denialism. On the following week, March Sunday, March 10th, the Humanists of Colorado have their monthly meeting at the Hub, and we're having a speaker in regarding the death penalty, which should be a fun discussion. Well, death on, is definitely a penalty. Yeah. On Saturday, March 16th, the Freedom from Religion Foundation's Denver chapter is going to be having their monthly meeting, and that's going to be held at the Hub. Yeah, and I would just want to say that's actually going quite well. I'm, I, I've gotten, I, I'm getting all the board emails. It seems like so. There's a lot of activity going on there because I'm part of the technical piece of that. So yeah. that's going along well. Yeah, they roped you in nicely. That yeah, they great. did. They're really quick too. I walked in the door, and there's all of a sudden. <laughs> They were like, who? Well, it started before you got there. They were like, who is that guy who was talking about the computer stuff? 
And like not two minutes later, you walk in there like that's him. That's right, exactly. And I was, I was, it was all over. Yeah, you were pretty much ambushed, but it's a, it's a great program, and they, and they are, they've got a lot of energy, um, and I think they're going to do some great stuff. Yeah. Um, especially considering what's been happening, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about this with uh, asteroids coming very near Earth and sometimes hitting it. The smaller ones in Russia and some other places. The museum is doing a program on Wednesday, March 27th called Near Earth Objects, Finding Them Before They Find Us. On Thursday, April 11th, Bart Ehrman is doing a program on misquoting Jesus. I think that's Pikes Peak uh, Skeptic Society yeah. again, right? Uh, um, that's a great book, by the way. It, it, that, that's a really good book if you if you want to read that prior to um, to his talk. Okay, I think I I think I actually have it electronically, but I don't think I've read it yet. Um, I saw actually Michael is the person who wrote it in a in a different meetup that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson might be in Denver on the fifteenth of April. Is that right? Uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping okay. that they expand it because he's he's in the Springs on the seventeenth mm-hmm. and just. Today we found out that all the tickets for anyone who's not a student are all sold out on Tickets West and at King Supers. Wow. But uh, students, like as the last check I did, they could still get a ticket or two from the UCCS ticket desk. But they're rationing rationing them out now, so okay. no one can get a block of tickets. Wow! Okay. And it's because people in Denver bought them all up. So I'm really nice. hoping they expand it to Denver. As well. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard about it, and uh, so I have not gotten one. But I saw him last time he was in town, and he is definitely worth attending. He's a great speaker. So hopefully, yeah, we'll have some more information soon about uh, another event, since this one is sold out for the 17th down in the Springs. Yes. Uh, and the last two things I wanted to mention on announcements coming up, April 27th, it's a Saturday, it's going to be the Denver Skeptic Camp. And then we don't have any more details, although we will be having a an organizational meeting very soon on the Colorado Secular Conference. This will be a follow-up to the one that was out in Grand Junction last year, and we'll be doing it in Denver this year. Okay. And that's your announcements. And I just want to mention, anybody who's got any other events coming up, please email me or, or the group, and uh, I'd love to include them in here. Very good. So the highly anticipated... Secular Hub has finally had their grand opening, and they did that on Darwin Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody should check out the hub on Facebook.com forward slash Secular Hub and at least like it So because they, they need they need people at least well, viewing could, it, right? It was actually quite packed. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. Um, they kept having to add chairs. I don't think they quite expected the crowd because um, once you know it got closer to time for the presentation, they just started adding more and more chairs. They had to look around and see what they still had. But no, it was pretty packed. So it was a good sign. Yeah, great speaker. We had uh, uh, Dr. James DeGregory in, and he did a really fascinating presentation. But I, I was really excited and happy about the energy in the room. Uh, everyone there was really excited about being there and, and opening it up. So I thought it went great. Um, we kind of thought that there, you know, with it being a grand opening and never having done this before, we were worried about things going terribly wrong and nothing went terribly wrong. It, it went really smooth. So there's going to be a lot more events coming up at the Hub, not just ones from different groups, which will hopefully, like the FFRF, host their meetings there, but some other stuff that will be coming up. So uh, you'll be hearing even more about it. But we had Ian and Michael there. Brian, you couldn't make it, and Sean, I guess you didn't either. Um, anything else yeah. you guys want to – I know I talk about it ad nauseum, so I didn't know if you guys wanted to say anything else about it. I enjoyed it. It was a nice evening. You know, a lot of like-minded people, which is fun. Um, I did hand out a few of our exclusive collectors' edition um, business cards, 
for the amateur skeptics because obviously that was one thing I was able to talk about with a few people. They so should not, not you know, they should not be exclusive at all. And who <laughs> collects business cards anyway? Hey, the only amateur skeptic collectible out there. <laughs> I have a T-shirt. No, okay. If, if he's, these are free. The T-shirts will cost you money. Lots. Free collectibles for the amateur skeptic. First, all this right, is well, very rare. I just know it. When, when things start taking off for us and we actually turn this into something bigger, who's going to be out the first edition collector cards? So. Yeah, we're going to have to get a promo and put some work into it first. <laughs> all right. Well, Michael was kind enough to, to video that. So the full video's out there, and there's a fun highlights clip, too. Yeah. I'm thinking action figures here. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Report from Michael and Kimberly on reality, atheism versus Christianity. So this was a, an event last night uh, down in Colorado Springs at a church, um, and it was basically our friend Jason Testerman debating a guy named Lamont, and I don't know his last name. Lamont uh, Map. About, sorry, what was it? Map. M-A-P-P. Oh, Okay. Even easier than I thought. So it was a full-fledged, formal-style debate with openings and then counters and back and forth and questions from the audience. Um, it was it was really packed. There were a lot of people there. A really, I mean, we were outnumbered, of course. It was on their turf, but a really good showing from the atheists. And I thought Jason did a terrific job, especially for his first time doing a formal debate. And it was a really good evening. You know, I'm glad that you guys are able to get out to so many of these things <laughs> because I just can't do it. Uh, you know, I have kids, Ian has kids, and Mac has no legs. Oh. Two highlights in particular from, from the evening were, um, well, there was the, the evidence of, of Jesus coming to the Muslims that was cited by Lamont Mapp that uh, Muslim clerics are, are having dreams about Jesus now. Uh, that was that oh, was God. something that gave all the atheists a chuckle. Uh, <laughs> but also, there there was a, a particularly horrible moment where uh, it's forgivable that that Jason Testerman he didn't know the actual verse where Elisha and the bears happened, and when he was challenged by Lamont Map that oh that never happened in the Bible, you didn't give uh, citations. So he get he gets up and his citation for Elisha and the bears was 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. The problem is, Lamont goes up and says, uh, Here, here's 1 Kings, you know, exactly where you said, and I'm going to read this. And when he did, there was no Elisha in the Bears, because it's actually in 2 Kings. <sighs> but Lamont Mapp got up in front of a crowded church and said that bears tearing apart little children never happened in the Bible. And the entire church crowd bought it. And the atheists were aghast, like, you you didn't. You didn't just go there. Like, yeah. it's it, was, it was pretty sad. that the atheist didn't know the exact verse. He got the book wrong, actually. But it's not forgivable that the Christian pretended like it never happened in the Bible. You know, but that's par for the course. You know, it, it is a problem. And typically, atheists do know their Bible better. And when they're going to cite something, they usually have the reference on hand because we have to because of things like this. It's very important that if we're ever going to say this happened in the Bible, that we can, you know, that, that, that we can document the source. And normally we have the internet in front of us, but in that kind of a situation, it's much tougher. Yeah. And he was in front of a, a, a crowd where two thirds of the crowd were church going people that went to that church and they didn't know their own Bible. And he was counting on that. 
written. And right. it's going to be a, a poor reflection on him because he actually works for Compassion International, one of the uh, nonprofit organizations here in the Springs that's headquarters here, headquartered here. So well, it's going to come back to haunt. Well, wait, wait, wait. Does he sure. have an email, a direct email address? Uh, yeah, he does. Well, we should put. I approached him right after the event to tell him. Right. He told me that he'd he'd look it up. We should have. We should have. Uh, you know, we we should find the site. You know, for, go online, find a Bible with it in there, and we everybody should email him. We should have a mass email campaign to show this gentleman where it is in the Bible. Well, he's already been shown. I, I wrote it down for him and gave it to him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he should get some emails. He should, and and he'll at least get a couple people chopping up the video on YouTube and complaining about it, because, especially on YouTube, people know the story of Elisha and the Bears. The Thinking Atheist did a video on it, and all YouTube-educated atheists know about Elisha and the Bears. It's one of the most horrific parts of the Bible. Right. To send down bears to to mangle children because they made some fun of somebody's bald head. Are and we... So, are, when we're talking about bears... Yes. Are we talking about animal bears, or are we talking about large, hairy men of uh, persuasion? <laughs> animal bears. <laughs> okay. So that's not nearly as bad as I was picturing. <laughs> are, are you Catholic? No. Okay. But yeah, Lamont brought out a, a number of crowd-pleasing but really vacuous points and talked about things and you know a debate format is very very tough i mean we've talked about it before there's so much style and and work that goes into debating it doesn't actually matter what the topic is if you're really good at debating you can debate any topic and lamont has a lot more experience than jason does is more comfortable with it and and like i said i think jason had a great showing but uh, it's really tough when you're so pressed for time and, and so many things are taken out of context and straw. I mean, Lamont had an entire field of straw men that he kept putting up and it was right. impossible for Jason to keep up with all well, of them to knock them back down. Well, that's what we call the Gish Gallop. I mean, that's exactly what, what the Gish Gallop is. Yeah. You know? It was terrible. Um, but again, he, he did a good job. I bet, you know, we opened up some eyes, uh, for people, I, I, even just with our presence. And, and I just want to kind of, close i guess with that is those people were surprised that there were so many atheists in the audience and you could see them looking around and trying to figure out who we were and there were some of us where you could <laughs> you could tell uh especially when we laughed at lamont on different things but uh i think i think it was a real eye-opener to them that we are them we look just like regular people right. you know we're, we're normal folk and there are more of us than they thought there would be we don't so bear the mark really of good. the beast yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess I'm confused because I thought the whole purpose of these was just to have conversations. I didn't realize that. This is not the free thought exchange. This is not uh, the free and, thought exchange. Okay, no, thank Jason you. Jason made that really clear at the beginning, and okay. we should have as well. This was not a free thought exchange event. This was a debate, and you're absolutely right. The free thought exchange is not a debate. Okay. So. Well, that, yeah, and that's, good, good times. Yeah, because, I mean, it, I, I, I think, you know, these kinds of things are important, you know, just to get out there and to be having those conversations and be willing to have those debates. But at some point, I, I think the free thought exchange is a much better um, foundation because its goal is not to convince or convert. It's just to have a conversation. Yeah, it will. The free thought exchange, in my opinion, will have a it, it never has like an immediate effect. We never walk out of there with three new atheists or anything like that. When we do a, a free thought exchange, but I do think it will succeed in 
getting more people to think and to understand the issues at hand faster. But these debates are important because there's a lot of people who have never heard anything else. Yeah. And, you know, this is all they know. And, and having somebody refute it and be able to be articulate is really important. Yep. All right. So, Ian, are the Boy Scouts going to turn tail and run? Um, we have to wait now. That was, okay, in the last podcast, we talked about um, how the Boy Scouts were looking into opening up the organization to open uh, homosexual, you know. The, after a whole bunch of stuff from both sides, they officially postponed the decision until the meeting in May. So we still don't know what the final outcome of this will be. Um, there's been a lot of stuff on both sides of the issue being um, thrown about, so... It should be interesting to see. I think they're hoping somehow that the media will be busier in a couple of months than they yeah, apparently I, were well, this I, time. I think I actually made that comment that mm -hmm. that this was something where they're kind of hoping that they make a good impression and then the whole thing just blows over and goes away. Yeah, yeah I think that's what they're yeah. hoping for. It's not going to happen if no. that's what their plan. I didn't. I didn't realize that Barack Obama is what the honorary president of the Boy Scouts. Yeah, um, basically every, every president of the United States is the honorary, it, I don't think it's president, but um, they have an honorary position within the Boy Scouts. So, um, you know, they don't really do anything except for um, send congratulatory letters to the Eagle Scouts and such. So I, I got mine from whoever was president in 93, which was Clinton, wasn't it? Mm. Yep. I got Yeah, you got lucky. That's our most entertaining president. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's certainly up there. Most entertaining recently. So I, I just thrown this up real quick. And the only reason that, you know, um, Pat Robertson, of course, had to get his two cents in basically saying that if this were to happen, that, that, uh, pedophiles would become scoutmasters. <laughs> and that is just sick because, you know, how, first of all, equating pedophilia with homosexuality is like equating pedophilia with heterosexuality it's an entirely different sexuality yeah. right well and that's the Never. thing you have to explain to them the, the, the men that do it are not do not like other men they do not attract other men that's not why they do it it's a whole different thing than right. attraction right so i mean it, it's certainly ignorance on his part but the other thing about it was it's like well wait a second what about your church what about the pedophiles in your church that are already in you yeah. know our, our priests and stuff like that and the other thing is that it, like this isn't already like they don't already have oh, these there, issues in in the scouts. They've been they've been there was accused a, of covering a, this stuff a up. Scoutmaster in Colorado recently that um got arrested for child porn. Right. So the the problem is is that th this decision doesn't change anything in right. regards to you know to how they're going to have to watch scoutmasters. You know, I mean, they have to be vigilant about that already. But the the idea that by by allowing gays in, that somehow that is going to that make for more pedophilia scoutmasters is ridiculous. Uh, what one thing that I want to say about this is uh, when I was in the scouts, there was actually a very big uh, pedophilia thing that happened while in my troop, and uh, it was not the scoutmasters or the adults. It was actually the senior patrol leader and a couple of the patrol leaders, which were uh, older teenagers versus the younger boys in the group. And um, there is no background check on the people that are applying to be Boy Scouts themselves yeah. Yeah. on whether they're going to be pedophiles themselves. Yeah. So 
the, the risk is still there whether you're checking the Scoutmasters or not because there are roles within the Boy Scouts, you know, uh, places of authority that someone can get into and not even be a Scoutmaster. Yeah, well, but they've already had problems with Scoutmasters that they've been covering up. Yeah, and so. the problem with the senior patrol leader that was doing it in my troop was covered up as well. I think that the whole thing with Pat Robertson especially is that I, I, is he ignorant of these facts? Probably not, but it's good for his ratings. Yeah, he's he's basically he's playing the uh, the demagogue thing, right? And that's so that's probably what's going on here. And well, we don't know how much longer though. Both Fox News and Rush Limbaugh are basically collapsing in on themselves because they keep um, going off on things like this. You know, you, you Rush Limbaugh's lost most of his. Um, sponsors now because every no, time no, he no, does no. something this he says something that stupid he gets complaints yeah but i'll bet you they're back he lost them for a little while and once they're, the dust settled I my understanding is he's losing quite a bit I still right he's now st- I, I, here's the thing is that he's still making money hand over fist because he still has the biggest audience of anybody it, as much as it that, shrunk uh, i thought that everything he said was absolutely 100 percent right and history would prove him so <laughs> But then we know Fox News' rating is um, plummeting right now. Right, it's plummeting, but they but still I, have I the top ratings. I think people are tired of hearing this crap. Well, I really do. So maybe and I some. think it's, gonna, you know, you know, it's more and more it's getting reflected that people are tired of it. Yeah, well, Fox they, News is catering to a demographic that essentially is aging and is not going to be around forever. Well, I think one of the reasons that they still have the highest um, ratings is that they're really the only network that's exclusively catering to that demographic, whereas everybody else gets their news sources in scattered locations, so it's much harder to pin them down anyway. But Fox News still has the number one – is still the number one rated news show or news station, and and they're not news. (laughs) They're opinion. So. All right, so please encourage the Boy Scouts of America to stop discriminating against atheists and the children of atheists. Yeah. Michael? I put up a link oh. on our um, Facebook page to a bunch of the equality groups, and so I recommend anyone on Facebook that's, that is a member of our um, site to go and look at those groups and like them as well, support them. Well, Michael put up a petition to uh, at whitehouse.gov for people to go and sign. Yes, that petition actually originated here in, in Colorado. A guy named Heath Wild sent an email to CoCor, and CoCor sent it out to all the satellite groups. And so I promoted his pet- petition with my YouTube channel, and we got it over the 150 signatures mark, which is what you need with a WhiteHouse.gov petition in order to be uh, searchable on WhiteHouse.gov. And now the signatures have gotten up to 2,000. Yeah. He only has two more weeks to get to 100,000, which I, I don't see it happening without a lot of help, but uh, at least it got searchable. You know, at least we got that benchmark. Yeah, that's great. So that's up there. Go sign that. I'm trying to figure out whether or not this is one I've signed. I've signed a few of them like this. And... <laughs> All right, and so and we talked about the Catholic Church and uh, basically making an argument in court that uh, they couldn't be held liable for the death of uh, unborn children because they weren't people. Um, they were and uh, they were using that in court. Well, they have since backpedaled on that. They w- they got together and uh, looks like they got together in a room and go, we can't do this. And I I want to just say at this point, <laughs> what a bully pulpit we have. <laughs> we made them back down the way we did. Yeah, us. Yes. And they, but the problem was is that they did this uh, like hours before we recorded. 
<laughs> they knew we were going to be talking about it. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. They knew. But anyway, so they backed down on that. And when you read through this, they, you know, they make the claim that they did everything they possibly could. And maybe they did or didn't. The reason it was a story for us was because of the argument they were making was made them look like absolute hypocrites, which of course, I think we pretty much made the prediction last week that they were going to turn tail on this anyway. And of yeah. course they did. I mean, that went without saying. It's similar uh, to the argument that, um, you know, that Elizabeth Warren brought up in Congress this, this last week as well. I know we don't have articles linked, but, um, a lot of people might have heard about her speech basically saying, you know, when's the last time we actually prosecuted, brought to court any of these big corporations and banks that, you know, keep doing all this to our economy? We've got people, you know, poor people who are defending their lives over really kind of silly things, and yet these banks and corporations basically settle out on all of these different claims yeah. and stuff. And it's it's similar to this in that it is cheaper to settle on an individual claim than it is for them to change their policy. Yeah. And similarly, the Catholic Church has far more to gain by paying this guy out kind of as much as he wants just to take that that little high ground. Yeah. Um, when you're dealing with pockets this deep, I mean, there's, there's so little you can do. Well, I mean, we're we're bailing out crooks, which is what we did with the banking scam. Where Iceland, mm-hmm. on the other hand, let the banks fail and then put the bankers in jail, <laughs> which is what we should have done. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. all right. And I think that we are ready to... So I found... Um, oh, we've got one more. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to leave that in. Oh, then I didn't see it. No, Although I, I, I'm never going to be able to erase that image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, that came up because it, because Mac had this, he, he did this role-playing world called Mac Rai, and we had a website for it and everything, and I've been holding on the domain. <laughs> and I finally asked him, he's got a couple of domains, and I said, what do you want me to do this domain? I said, I think I'm going to make this one a porn site, and I got no response, so I so I did this. Uh. <laughs> um, no. No, no. No means no. No. Michael, oh. you're never going to be able to unsee that. Yeah. Uh, should I leave you it know, in there, Mac? It's your call. About, talk about bears. <laughs> talk about bears. Well, Mac will have to tell me if I'm leaving it or not. It's, it's, it's his call. <laughs> but yeah, I was having a little fun with Mac. Yeah. But in all fairness, that is a piece of our work. He made for amateur skeptics. I just yes, repurposed it, is. it. That was for the uh this that's for the episode this episode is censored for your protection. Right, right. I went I went commando for that one. None of the rest of you could be expected to do it, so I did it. And now look at what's happened. Yep. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to scams. On to scams. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Now, now that now that I've blinded you all, on to, let's talk about some scams. Blinded by the light. <laughs> so one in ten people falls victims to scams in uh investigation finds. And I got it I was I was I was surprised by these numbers. Um this is from the telegraph. They did a uh I'm not exactly sure how they conducted this research, to be quite honest with you. But um, they claim that uh, that these scams cost victims um, six billion pounds each year. Um, and the scams that they, that they are referring to are stuff like um, these. I think that well, I don't know um, what I. I swear I read the article. <laughs> but anyway, so stuff like the Nigerian scam. 
credit card scams, um, real estate scams. There's, there's a whole bunch of these things, um, that go around. And I don't, and so the Nigerian scam kind of goes like this. You get a scam, you get, you get an email from somebody who is, claims to be from Nigeria, um, that basically they, they, they want to get, they have all this money that they need to get out of the country for one reason or another. And they, they need you to help them. And if you agree, they say, well, you know, we need your name and we need your bank account number and password. So we're going to dump the money into your account. And then you get to keep 10% of it. And oh, then, yes. And then you're going to move it over to this other account. And then what generally happens is they, they log in. And they empty your account. And they empty your account is what happens. And well, another off-branch of that is they will send you a check. And you're to cast that check into your account then write them a check. Right. And so... You know, you're thinking, oh, you know, I got the checks, so that's the real money. No, that check's never going to clear, and it's going to end up bouncing. Right, but the check you write them might bounce in that in that scenario too. That that's that's a little bit more risky. Another way that they'll do this is that they will have that. The, so the, another way that they'll kind of launder this money is they'll, is they'll tell somebody else, "We have all this money. We need. We want to put it in your account, and then you keep ten percent of it, and then we want you to go to Western Union and the Western Union us the money. So they so they'll take the one the person's bank account and they'll they'll clear it out into somebody else's bank account who takes that money and sends you sends you the Western Union and. And then Western, once they get back through Western Union, the bank, you know, comes back and says, well, wait a second. They never should have got that money and takes all the money back. The person who sent the, sent the Western Union is out all the money. Something like that. That, that, that has happened before. So they get pretty elaborate. Have, have you guys heard about that? Well, I've gotten oh, yeah. them. I, I remember when I first started getting them, I was completely puzzled because it was stuff like, we have been told that you are a, um, person who would be able to help us. I'm still like, they got the right person here? Because yeah. no one's going to be telling them anything like, you know, so honestly, the first few I got, I'm like, did someone screw up my email? Right. Well, Cause I... Because at no point did I think, yeah, this is the real thing. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm, you know, I, So, you know, my first thoughts were not, oh, yes, easy money. My first thought was, okay, these guys are screwing up. Should I write them back? But then I quickly realized, no, this doesn't make any sense. Right. So I set up, a, at one point, I had set up... um. Um, an email server with the intention. I didn't just set up one. Um, I, I knew I was testing something else. I was, I was setting up an email server and testing it. And so I thought, well, let's see how many scam emails we can get. So I went to all these porn sites and different sites like this. Any place that is like, you know, um, get, um, you know, get porn to your email and stuff like that. And, and I put these, these multiple, I put, I would put one address in one place and I would create another one, put another one in another one and another in another and another in another. And, and just to see, how far these would get. And so, but, and so each one of these email addresses, you, you put it in one, they sell it to another, to another, to another, to another, and then end up, you end up with all this crap in these email accounts. And it, it happens very quickly over a matter of, um, of weeks. You, you end up with all these, all these things. And so most common one that I think that I saw actually was the lottery scam one. Um, the, the, and it was at the time it was the Irish lottery. I thought that I was getting a lot of them for, you know, basically saying, Hey, you've won the Irish lottery. And here's a, you know, to get it, you know, you, you know, you, you call them or, or send me an email and then they call you and, but you're going to have to pay the f- taxes and fees on that up front. And that's how they've gotten up. They've gotten people that just send them money, basically, you know, in thinking that they're going to get all this other money yeah. without doing any sort of verification beyond that. And that's, that's the main lesson in this. If it sounds too good to be true, probably is. Right. You're not going to get, you know, millions of dollars for free. No one's just ready to hand that out to you. So the other one, um, internet, 
It says auction frauds. I was thinking authentication frauds. One of one of the ones that I don't see. Maybe this isn't happening so much anymore. Um, you would get a an email saying that it was from eBay, PayPal, um, or or your bank or someplace like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. eBay, PayPal. I've seen. There's been a rats. I forgot all the different ones, but they basically want you to sign in with their personal your personal information. Yeah, exactly. which is phishing. Which it will, yeah, yeah, it's phishing. That's what I've, I've gotten it. those, and every time I get those, instead of doing the link on the in the email, I go to the site itself, just double check. The site doesn't do anything. No, I'm good. Right. The the problem I is, go to is the real site. Right. Well, the problem is that because of HTML email, um, which I would love to eliminate. It is the bane of my existence. Um, because of HTML email, what they what they do is that they give you a link, and the link says that it's you know eBay.com, but what's underneath it is some random site, and you click on that, and you go to the random site, thinking that you clicked on eBay because the URL does not have to match the text. And it looks just like the eBay site. Yeah. And yeah. So and, once you sign in, they suddenly have all your sign-in information. They can um, hack your account. Right, but I cannot tell you. I mean, every it seems like. Well, now that we have this info stuff, I, I you know, I, I have we we I had to set up an info um, account for my work, and every week I, you know, it's like, is this one real? What is this? You know, I was like, no, that's that's another fraud. <laughs> you know, they they, and the problem with blocking this stuff is that they're always one step ahead uh, of the of of the blocking device. You know, the blocking device can only is only capable of. Blocking what it knows about. You can't anticipate the next way that they're going to find to get around the initial block. Um, so spam is a huge problem. But so the internet, uh, internet auction fraud. So through eBay and PayPal. And I guess there's other ways that they might scam you is that you well, send like them Amazon money. Amazon and stuff. You know, the, the, you, most people have so many accounts out there right now mm-hmm. that, you know, they put, you know, I, I know, you know, I, I don't know where all my credit card is. You know, I've ordered enough stuff online that, if someone were to get, um, you know, the information to be able to hack some of my accounts, they possibly could order stuff in my name. Yeah, well, and and all these, um, uh, like pharmaceutical ads and stuff. You know, people, you know, buy pharmaceuticals yeah. from, from, you know, those are those are horrible. Um, see, so the other things that they that they've got on here, of course, the Nigerian advanced fee fraud. So you send the money fishing, fishing and farming for identity theft. You know, some of these are. Um, are quite insidious. Um, I see more lottery scams. Oh, free credit report. This is the biggest scam because particularly in, I, I, there's a mandate saying that you, you are entitled to a credit report a year from every one of these providers. So Equi- Equifax, um, oh God, I used to know the three big ones. Anyway. TransUnion. Yeah, TransUnion. And what's the other one? Experian. Experian. So you are entitled to a credit report from these guys every year. And I knew that in Colorado that was the case. I think it's nationwide. I th- and I think that it's been that way for a while. All you have to do is basically call these people and say, send me a credit report. They have to send you a credit report. So you sign up on one of these sites that's going to give you a free credit report. And of course they spam you with ads and crap. Pretty, pretty common stuff. But you know, the, but the, the easiest way, the way that most of this stuff has to work is you have to give them the information. That's the easiest way for any of these scams to propagate is for somebody to give them the information. Um, that's the easiest way. Well, there's also all the stuff you can get a you know free game system um, if you just do a few things. And of course, to do the few things, you have to basically buy something, sign up for something, mm-hmm. and give you know. And once you once you um, start on one of those, even if you don't complete anything. 
If you've given them their email, you will suddenly get a lot of spam. I, um, right. My son, my youngest son, we decided to set him up with an email and start doing computer stuff. He went for all of those um, you know, and would give his email address to try and um, get some free stuff. We finally just had to delete his account completely because he was getting so much spam. And right. start him over fresh, and uh, you know I had to sit down and talk to him. It's like, no, you don't sign up for that stuff. That's not going to get you anything free. That's just going to mess your email account up. Right, and and like I say, you know, and back uh, I think that I forget exactly when I built that server. Um, it like it 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 took a couple weeks before the, that thing was just flooded. You know, one you put it in one site and whew, it takes off really quick. Um, work at home scams. These are real popular, and so basically, you know, you have to pay them for all the materials, and you know, they tell you how easy it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, and this is a big thing with you know multi-level marketing and stuff like that. You know, you have to buy all these products up front, and then you're stuck with them if you can't sell them. But man, if you can build that downline, oh, you're going to make thousands of dollars. <laughs> but somebody's got to sell the product, but they never sell them that way. Property investment scams. Oh, 900 scams. Now, these are 900 lines are, have got to be one of the biggest scams going. Um, Mac would know that. Yeah. <laughs> so would you. So would I, because we used to work for one. Um, of course, because all these psychic lines, of course, were 900 numbers. And boy, I, they, you know, anything to get you hooked and keep you talking, whatever it took, you know, to, to max out and max out whatever they could on these 900 lines. I, at some point they started limiting them. Um, but, uh, they can be quite a problem. And there's always problems, you know, people would go into other people's houses and call 900 numbers. I don't know. Are they still, is it still 900 numbers? Are they still just as big? I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I think they, I think they pretty much kind of, I think with, uh, I think that when Dion Warwick got, kind of went by the wayside. I think that they went by the wayside too. So, but the, these attacks, um, are generally targeting people, either the elderly, um, or is, is a good target. Um, the young, really, you know, you're, you're 20 year olds and, uh, maybe not just 20 year olds, but you know, uh, people who have less knowledge. So and, and all of these attacks require a certain amount of, I, I don't know, you know, some of them don't require, I mean, I, don't know, I want to say gullibility, but I don't know if that's fair because you know. I'd say naivety. Naivety, there, because I, I, you know, when I, when I would work, when I was, you know, doing malware removal, um, it was amazing. You know, you, you, people would come in and they, their, their, their machines would be just full of crap. But the worst problem I ever had was these, um, and I say it was the worst because it, it, you wouldn't have expected it. Was people going to just like apartment rental sites? They were getting malware from the ads, and it was a huge problem because I I did I worked at um I did work for um apartment complexes, and they and they would have to go to these sites to update ads and stuff like that, and their and their machines would be just riddled with malware. Um, I had somebody at another client who was just going to get an apartment. All of a sudden, his machine is riddled with malware. Now, why why should going to um uh going to a site to to an apartmentfinder.com site you know, why should you end up infected? That would, there was nothing well, that they could have really done all to protect in, themselves. It's all a matter of who is paying the advertising for the apartment finder site. Well, exactly, but there's the no control. The apartment free, so the site, right. therefore, has to advertise with whatever they can advertise with. And, unfortunately, one of the tendencies that they've got is to 
pick up some really really bad advertisements. But they but they don't have any control over it. This that that was what, that was the whole problem with all those those rotating ads that when you go to a site you get an ad. The this the site that's how, um, housing those things doesn't have any control of the ads coming through them. That's why we I mean CNN at one point gave out malware. Um, Tom's Hardware gave out malware. Places where you you were the more technically savvy sites that were yeah. distributing malware because of the way that these advertising models were set up. It's really disappointing that Tom's Hardware did that. Well, I mean, but once again, you know, they're 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 ad driven. You know, yeah, that's, that's how they they're are. making their money. And so they they had one of these ad companies, and they they delivered malware, um, just like some of the others. But for all this to work, they're using a technique called social engineering. Um, and I imagine you guys have all heard of this. Um, but the the idea is to get the the person to act in a way. That they would normally act, but causes something fraudulent to happen. Right. So, um, let's see. So, let's see. So social engineering in the context of security is understood to mean the art of manipulating people into performing actions or divulging confidential information. And there are, you know, the, the, actually, there, there's a really good site. Um, it's called the PLA. Um, the, the phone is PLA. They're basically phone hackers and, you know, they, they have done stuff. Um, um, do you guys remember when, um, oh, when Foursquare, I think it was, I think it was Foursquare first started. 4chan. Which one? 4chan. It was one of these sites where you log in to let people know where you are. Oh. Isn't that Foursquare? Foursquare. Yeah, that's Foursquare. So what they would do is, um, is they would they would look for people uh, you know like in Foursquare and they'd find somebody said okay this person just checked into the Home Depot so they call the Home Depot and they page the guy at the front to come get the phone and somebody also at the same time had set up a site called pleaserobme.com that would go through and and look at these social engineering sites and then let people know this person is here now this person is here now trying to show the the stupidity of letting people know where you are all the time um, and they would do other stuff too, where you basically any, you know, calling people and getting them to, to do these things that they wouldn't normally do. Um, and, but my favorite, um, on here is, uh, the IRS. <coughs> so the IRS, who you would, you would think they should have, um, you would hope would have a certain amount of training, um, about, one would hope, one would but. hope, you know, about, about these kinds of things, but, um, so they, they had a company do a, um, do a pen test on them where they called them up and said, Hey, um, you know, it's the ID, IT department. Um, you know, we're, we're having some problems. We need you to change your password. Uh, give them some suggested passwords and they would change their password to that. Now, let's see. In 61 of 121 cases, uh, the TIGATA caller was able to convince the IRS employees to change his or her password as requested. Wow. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and I think the, and and this is the update. This is after they were told. <laughs> listen. Um, oh no, maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe after the update, they were able to get people to to question a little bit more. But I mean, it it's amazing. You know, it, as the IT guy, you can walk into uh, most of these places and say, you know, I, I'm the IT. I, I'm the computer guy. I need your password so I can get into your computer. Here you go. Um. And, and many, you know, hopefully, 
you know that IT guy, but the problem is, is that most people really don't know who the IT guy is and isn't. You got to be able to recognize your nerds. <laughs> you need to be able to recognize your nerds, but I That's but, something that they normally have about them: recognizability. It's part of being a nerd. <laughs> I recognize my nerd because he wears glasses. <laughs> yes, we blend in just like atheists. So, but the biggest the biggest problem with all of this is is trying to inform people enough so that they don't continue to be taken by these. And of course, it always comes back to teaching people critical thinking skills because you cannot prepare people for every situation. And that was, right. and that's what I struggled with. And that's what I still to this day struggle with in the, in my current environment is how to, how to give people the information that, that they need so that they don't, so that they don't get caught in the next one. Because unlike my spam filter, which it, it is only as good as the last piece of spam that it got. People need to be able to recognize a scam before it happens. I did get turned on to a similar story recently about a add-on for Firefox called Fire Sheet. Mm-hmm. Where you can sit with this add-on in a coffee shop where everyone's using the same logon and there's no secure logons to the Wi-Fi, and you can collect their cookies. Right. And spoof their Facebook, and you can do all sorts of havoc to their Facebook. It's an attack called um, site request or cross-site request forgery, where basically you're able to steal somebody's credentials and authenticate as them to the site. You know, so you, you're able to steal the credentials because most of this stuff, particularly when you're sitting at a coffee shop, um, is going over into the into the ether. And anybody who who is who's listening to that traffic can pick it up and read it. And because credentials were being sent um, that were not and not over HTTPS, which is the secure protocol that were just using HTTP, people were able to intercept those cookies. And even though they didn't know your password, they didn't need to because they used the cookie to authenticate as you. And now they had control of your Facebook account. Well, I tried uh, using it myself, and as long as people have their own passwords and, and they're using HTTPS, then it's it's near impossible. But in in coffee shop settings, people don't even have to go to their Facebook page. They just have to visit a page on the Internet that has a Facebook widget on it right. because the widget has that same authentication cookie that will be sent. So... Um, it's even more dangerous than than you would think because all sorts of uh, web pages now have Twitter widgets and Facebook widgets on them. Well, I mean, all you need to do is get redirect somebody to your malicious site that's set up to scrape their cookies. Yeah, I, it's that easy. Now, I mean, one of the things when I I I, I at <laughs> when that first happened and and, and Facebook started offering the HTTP. Um, Automatically, I went and I set my account for it, and then all of the add-ons weren't using it, so I stopped. I stripped everything out. You know, eh, you know, all the all the fancy add-ons for Facebook um, don't work now. They've updated that since, and you can still use your crappy add-ons, um, but there's still a potential for problems there because of, because with some of those add-ons, you have to log out of HTTPS and into HTTP to use that add-on. Yeah. But, but but the release of FireSheep is similar to the story that you just told because the the entire purpose of FireSheep being released 
was so that a whole bunch of people would use it in coffee shops and show people the risk to security that they were uh, posing by not getting uh, a secure uh, password from the counter, basically, and, and turning all Wi-Fi into something where you have to actually go up to the counter and get uh, you know, a printed out little ticket with uh, your own password. Because until we go to a system like that, where you actually have to interact with people and you don't just go in there and, and use the uh, blanket password for everyone, um, we're going to have this security problem. Yeah, I use a different password at every site. I don't, I don't duplicate my passwords anywhere, but that becomes a hassle. Um, so I manage it with a program called LastPass. So I have one hairy master password that inputs my, my gibberish passwords to all these other sites. That master password is called the precious, right? Yes, it's called the precious. <laughs> I my uh, my personal password security is to basically use alphanumeric characters and other languages simultaneously. Right, but it's not good enough because one of the things that's happening now is they're able to to recognize certain certain pieces in 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 these passwords so like if you have monkey in your password they're getting to the point where they can pull that out of the encryption mm-hmm. so people who even though you're using a passphrase they're they're starting to be able to break some of that down as well um, and I haven't looked into that quite as much, but it, but if it, the hacker is fluent in Pig Latin, he's welcome to the password. Well, but they see, but why not make a Pig Latin dictionary then? That's what rainbow tables are for. Fair enough. See, so what I do with a rainbow table uh, essentially is I, I I'll take I'll take a password list and then I'll encrypt it and get all those hashes and then I can compare hashes. Once I get a match on the hash, then I have your password. Uh, and it's, so, it's, so it becomes much quicker. So, I mean, really, past phrases are better, right? And then alphanumeric. I mean, but really, nothing's better than just a plain gibberish password plus 14 characters. <coughs> but it sucks. Well, the problem, of course, with gibberish passwords is you can't really remember them. You, well, you can't remember them. So that's why you've got to ha- you've got to try and make the best hairy password you can for your and, master And, you know, password. what happens if your hacker's a Javarian and he <sighs> speaks fluent gibberish? Well... Hopefully he, you know, he might have rainbow tables for that too. <laughs> rainbow tables for everyone. So, I mean, but it gets more and more sophisticated. So educating users on how to protect themselves becomes more and more complicated every day. Um, and it, it, if, if you watch, you know, um, like Krebs on security and stuff like that, you start to see the most insidious stuff constantly going around that people are doing and one of the most elaborate attacks um was was a was a guy who ended up getting his um his apple laptop um that some hackers um sent out a um um a um sent out he ha- he was using the apple um wipe so that basically they could remote wipe his system and they were and they got his his apple password and remote wiped his system um, basically, they, they, they wanted his Twitter account. He had a three-letter Twitter account. So, so, But to get his Apple password, they needed his Gmail account. To get his Gmail account, they had to get his, his Amazon password. And um, actually, it was, and it was quite clever at the time. Um, what they would do is they would call Amazon, and they would tell them, hey, I want to add this card to my account. And Amazon would add the card to their account, and then they would call back and say, "Hey, I forgot my password. 
you know, um, I need to get my password. And they say, okay, well, I need the last four digits of, 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 the, of one of the cards on your account. And they would give them the last four digits of the card that they just that added they just to their added. account. That they just sure. added. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then once they had the Amazon, they, they knew, they knew the Google. And they were able to go from Google back to Apple. They were able to call Apple. Now they had enough information to, and they had now they had his credit card number and and his Google email address because they had the original account number that was at Amazon because that was in there. So they were able to call back, and they finally got even though they didn't know any of the security questions from Apple, they were finally able to get a representative to give the password. Then they were able to re- remote wipe that. I guess they went from there back to the Gmail, and from the Gmail they got the Twitter. It, it, I mean, it, it's out there. We we could find that. It, it's a long, complicated process. But I mean, that that is the extent that they will go to to social engineer just because they wanted this guy's Twitter account because it was a three-letter Twitter account, and they wanted to hack his Twitter. So how? I mean, how do you protect against all of that? Because in that particular instance, the user could have done everything absolutely right. They could have had they could have had individual passwords for everything, and because the companies had weak security, they were able to get in through there. Because they were able to to social engineer Amazon and Apple, they were able to get through it. The other way that this that these things happen all the time, like Sarah Palin's um, when her email got hacked, and um, uh, who else? Um, whenever when these the celebrities, bushes. yeah, the yeah, who, just got hacked. yeah, the way that they do that is by going and answering the security questions. You know, where were you born? What's your mother's maiden name? All those terrible security security um questions. So mine are all made up. I have I have a list. You know, so if you ask me what what you know uh, one of those security questions, I have to go look it up because half because I don't always remember what I told somebody. I have to document it. So there's all sorts of ways that, that, you know, I mean, that we don't think about that, uh, that people are incredibly clever, clever and that you can do everything right, everything that you think you're supposed to do, and you can still fall victim to this stuff. Have I said too much? Cause <laughs> I don't I, think so. Because I can go. Feel insecure. What's that? You just made us all feel I'm insecure. I'm sorry. And I could go on. It gets worse. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about, uh, I may have actually mentioned this on the show before, but the best 419 scam I ever received was an email from the Nigerian government with a uh, heartfelt apology for their citizens and what they had done and offering to reimburse me if I just gave them my account number for any <laughs> monies that I had lost to the Nigerian scam. Yeah. And it's not just, I mean, they need your password. I don't think just having your account number is good enough. They need your password. Of course, if they have enough information about you, they can probably just call and social engineer your bank. Um, so, but, but, so, uh, on a happy note, let me, let me end this, let me end my, my rant on a happy note. Um, the, the 419 eaters.com, have you guys ever seen this site? I have, I've, I've looked at it. Um, this is the one where they basically make the people doing the 419 scam do, uh, incredibly embarrassing things. Yes. And then they the post one. it. Yes. This is them. Yeah. I've looked there and it's, it's wonderful. I, I posted this one, this guy claiming to be a cleric from Nigeria, you know, and, you know, Reverend Nichols and all of this. And he, you know, and so this guy says, Hey, well, yes, I, I happen to work for, um, a, a church and, you know, I'm in the accounts payable department and we do make these donations and everything, but you're going to have to become a member of our church. So since, 
you know, since that's not, you know, an option, I guess we can't help you. I mean, he says, well, wait a second. I'll, I'll join your church. And so, well, okay. So basically they tell him that he has to get this tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very oh. clear about how they, he has to document getting the tattoo. And the tattoo says baited by Shriver. It says what? Baited by Shriver. Oh, wow. And it's a circle, and and they show a picture of a woman with the tattoo, you know, and they say, Holy Church of the Tattoo behind her and everything. And, and they say, and you have to document, we have to actually see you getting the tattoo, and, you know, because we've been tricked before, so you have to, and they, all these steps, and make sure, you know, send multiple emails, you know, of you getting the tattoo and everything. <laughs> ah, sure enough, the guy got the tattoo. Wow. Yeah. It is really awesome. And, of course, they said, you know, and we'll reimburse, you know, whatever it costs for you to get the tattoo. We're going to reimburse that, but we can't do it till after we've confirmed you. And uh, sure enough, now this gentleman has a tattoo that says Baited by Shriver on his shoulder. And then they asked him to send his, you know, his his documentation, his passport, and you know, they, and they went on, and they just went on for him for a with a, a long time. And then the guy's like, "Well, this isn't good enough." So he makes it sound like a hacker is intercepting all the emails going to the church, and the hacker wants in on it. <laughs> so the hacker's telling him, "Hey, listen, you got a good scam going here. I need somebody in Nigeria to help me out." Um, if you want me to, if you want to complete this first scam, you're gonna have to agree to help me. <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, so, so I, it's, it's just so the four one nine eaters. I mean, and they've done other stuff. They've had people make stuff and send them for because they had some guy make a keyboard out of wood and send it to them and stuff like that. There's all sorts of good stuff on this site. But so here's here's one case where these people are getting back at the at these scammers. You gotta know. appreciate that. I I hate getting those scam emails and. I have that moment of, oh, I should scam them back. You know, I know so much better. And I never do it, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes a lot of time. This guy's put some time here. Yeah. But I guess my, 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 ultimately my point is, is that you have to think about each one of these things individually and look at them because I can give you lots of information. I can give you all sorts of tips and, and techniques on how to help protect yourself. Right. But doing all those things just because I said to do them, albeit may help, ultimately you, it, the, the weakest link is, is what you don't know. <laughs> and so you have to think about each one of these things as they're coming at you. Um, because as much as I want to, I can never give a person enough information to, to protect themselves because I can't, I cannot tell you what the next thing these people are going to try is. And if one out of 10 people is falling for them, um, that, that's a really high number. Yeah. Um, so, and it only comes down to education. That's the only way to protect against these things. But like I say, I can still only tell you so much. I can't tell you what they're going to do next. And I can, I can always look at these things and identify the scam, right? Once it comes to me. Um, but um, this is my area of expertise, right? I mean, this is what I do all day long is look at this, this kind of stuff and try to protect my infrastructure and stuff like that. And I still have holes, right? No matter what I do, um, I, I know exactly where my holes are. I, I'm fighting a culture, you know, to try and implement security, and and it's and it's a slow process. What do you think of the old uh, the old saying that you can only uh, you can only how does it go that these kind of scams really only work on people who are greedy enough to fall for them. Like, if you're a good man, you can't be scammed. No, are you kidding? There, um, there's one sometimes of these... It's sometimes people 
can get scammed because they are a good person. Well, and that's exactly if what's they, happened. If the person comes in with a good enough sympathy story. There is a there is a story about and I was looking for it earlier about a I think I don't think he was a priest I think he was a I think he was a Protestant preacher somewhere um, and he got scammed by on one of these four one these four one nine scams he, he sent a whole bunch of money to Nigeria over and over again right um, and and bless his heart he thought he was helping somebody. He had no idea that he was being scammed, and even after he was they, helping somebody. Yeah, well, okay. Even after he was scammed, and he knew it, he's like, "Well, they needed the money more than me." It's like, "Wow, okay." You know, typically you religious people make me irritated and angry, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, sir, um, because he was, you know, he just. I mean, he was he was resigned to his fate, kind of. Um, so, it, so I do not believe that at all. I think that these take take advantage of good, naive people. I think that people that are um, that are greedy are less likely to fall for these scams. And looking at this these emails, if you read through this document, he's he's skeptical of the guy that's trying to scam him. He's like, I don't know who you are. You know, so I think that I, I I think in a lot of ways the people doing these stuff that are 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 shrewd enough to not get um, caught up in the same types of scams. But on the other hand, he was greedy enough to get the tattoo. He wanted the money so badly, maybe taking a huge risk, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I don't I don't really buy that. I don't think that I don't think that those are the people that are the target. I think that the target are the, are the naive and generous. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking of the ones, the, those scams that kind of come out, like you mentioned early on, where, hey, we're going to send you $5,000. If you can send back 4000 to us, you know, that will really help us out. Like, you have to think that you're entitled to $1,000 of essentially free money right, to get suckered into that. Is right? that I mean, I, I guess you're saying some people could just be doing it out of the generosity thing. Right, but. well, but I think to get caught in that, it's it's not, it's, it's, it's in, it's, being naive, um, I don't know that. I, I think it's you know it sounds like easy money. It's like oh my god, all I got to do is I'm going to get all this money. All I got to do is send them four thousand dollars, and they don't think about well, wait a second, why am I sending them money to get this money? Right. You know, and it's just it's the allure of easy money. Look at um like like the real estate scams are the they're huge. Look at these guys like um like Lowry um oh, I forget his first name and there's a whole bunch of these these scammers um that basically are going around they're selling you these these thousands and thousands of dollar courses they're going to teach you how to make money in real estate and you're going to pay them thousands of dollars to do it now it's it's more insidious because you're paying for training but the fact of the matter is is that what they're selling you is a bill of goods because taking that information and actually using it is a completely different story it's not like going to school like you know going in and getting a you know a, a writing degree they're going to teach you to write and then you've got to make that work for yourself these people these people are, are selling you a program that is not likely to actually be effective but man they're selling it up because because people want to be rich and they're going to tell you how easy it is but you you hear these stories from the other side that people have actually done it they end up with a whole bunch of properties they're doing a whole bunch of work to try and maintain them you know and it hasn't worked out the way that they expected they're either they're either now a landlord 
and and maybe they're making money or they're a landlord on properties that they're upside down on i mean so the the horror, there's horror stories uh, i mean like crazy there so can you make money in real estate absolutely somebody is going to make real estate money in real estate but not the hundreds of people taking these courses there isn't there isn't that much money in real estate for these hundreds and thousands of people if every single one of those people became millionaires you know it wouldn't be 1% anymore but they count on that they're counting on on the fact that you're going to come, pay all this money, take these courses, and go away. Mm-hmm. But that's a little bit different. I mean, but it's still social engineering. They're telling you how they're telling you how much money you're going to make. You're the smart one for being here at you know taking this class from me. You're going to be one of the one percent because the one percent they don't work for people. They work for themselves. It's always a good question to ask. If there's so much money to be made at doing that, why aren't you doing that instead of teaching people? Exactly. Because out of their goodness of their heart, they want to share their techniques with you. Right. Exactly. Just not for free. <laughs> no, of course not. Just not for free. No, they want to get they want to pay it for showing you how they made their money in real estate. When really I don't know if you guys know this, but I once did customer service for Carlton Sheets No Money oh, Down. Yeah, he was another one of those Yeah. Which I would term a double your IQ or no money back plan. Yeah, um, but there's a whole bunch of that. And the guy I keep thinking is, is Lowry. And I, and I remember he lost a whole bunch of money in a Tahoe scheme. Um, you know, but the way that he, the way that he talked about that, it's like, well, yep, you know, you take these risks. Well, I lost a couple million there, but I was making millions everywhere else. So it didn't matter. I just took that as a loss and went on. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, but it, but that one is really bad because there, I mean, you, because there's, there are people making lots of money in, in real estate. I mean, Warren Buffett makes money in real estate. Why can't you? So, all right. We got a few more things. I thought he was mainly a songwriter. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Jimmy Buffett. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. Margaritaville. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Um, Michael Coffee Shop Church Scam. Oh, what is this? Well, I was just going to tell you about the latest thing, the latest scam that got me. Okay. Uh, which is a coffee shop, which is actually a church, but does not have any signs on the outside or inside that it is a church, because they're trying to trick people to go to a church by being a coffee shop. You can find this coffee shop on 225 Weber Street in Colorado Springs. On the outside, it says 225. It's this nice logo, um, very hip, trendy logo. And it says Wi-Fi, meeting place, coffee, espresso, uh, free Wi-Fi. It, that, so, that's all listed on the outside. Not one place does it say, oh, by the way, we're a church. So your greed so, for free coffee and free Wi-Fi no, in Colorado Springs, we don't have anything like the Secular Hub, so we've been testing out different coffee shops and different <laughs> venues for different things. So yeah. I actually planned an event for the Freethinkers of Colorado Springs at this coffee shop. Some of us showed up, and it was 5 p.m., and we were going to have a meeting starting at 6, and we, we were like, wow, it's kind of quiet in here. And the barista was uh, not making coffee. And finally, uh, we were able to ask someone, hey, uh, are you guys still open with coffee? Because on their Facebook page, they said open till 8. And they said, no, we closed the, the coffee bar at 5, but service is starting pretty soon. And immediately, oh. I look left and I look right, and I don't see any crosses. 
you know, but I'm like, oh no, we just got tricked into going to church. And, uh, we immediately rescheduled for uh, Cafe Corto, which is very close to that, and sent everyone to the different coffee shop. But on the way out, I was eyes peeled, looking everywhere for any sign that this was a church. And they even had a table with lots of flyers for different things that happen around the city, laid out with uh, you know business cards for things. And not one thing there said anything about Jesus, the Bible, or church, or anything. I looked intently, looking for any sign, you know, and they got me. They tricked me. <laughs> and j- my due diligence in selecting that place included looking at their Facebook page. And I've included a, a link for that in, in uh, our notes. And you can look at this 225 coffee shop and venue on Facebook. And the only thing that would tip you off that it's a church is somebody's comment, not anything that they put in their own description. Wow. All and right. so what's what's really interesting about this is last night, Kim and I were uh, at BJ's Brew Pub, and at the table with us was a guy in a yellow sweater, and he was telling his uh, uh, stories about how he came to atheism. And he actually happens to be the guy that designed the coffee shop. And in the last six months, he had a, a crisis of faith and, and became an atheist. And <laughs> <laughs> and I actually gave him my out campaign atheist a from my own jacket oh. but uh, i I filmed a little video with him uh just to follow up on a video that I did previously on how I was pwned about a church with coffee, you know, just to show you know at least i I get to to show that at least their their engineer their architect that designed the whole thing to not look like a a uh, church at least we got him. <laughs> The word. And so he talked about that was the plan of, of let's make this place inviting and not let anybody tip tip off anybody that it's a church? It was the plan. And in talking to him, uh, I see that I fell for the plan. And <laughs> it really does. Uh, wow. I fell for – I bought a stereo out of the back of a car once. <laughs> When I was, I think it was 17 or 18. I think it was a 20 or $40 lesson. It wasn't that bad, but man, as soon as he left, I knew it. I knew that I had gotten pwned. I've never it, seen anyone selling stereos out of a oh, car, but I've seen perfume yeah. and DVDs. Well, I, I've seen other people selling, like, I, I was, I was walking out of a Target one time and somebody says, Hey, you want to buy stereo equipment? Yada, yada, yada. And, uh, so after I got his license plate number, he sped off, and I called the police and let them know. And that was in that was in uh, Westminster that I that I saw that. So that happened. Actually, that's maybe not as common, but that happens. Um, and either the equipment is broken or stolen, generally. Yeah, uh, but but very very different, like you say, than this insidious. You know, come in, come in. I mean, and yeah. the Scientologists kind of do the same kind of thing, right? With their little free personality test. You, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who still don't know anything about Scientology who think, oh, you know, psychology, I, I like that, that's fun. And yeah. uh, before you know it, you're sucked into this whole thing that was not advertised as to what it really was. I didn't even cover the Microsoft tech support scam where people call you and say that they're calling for Microsoft and that your ISP has told us you have malware on your machine and we need to do this, this, and this to get it off of it. Nice. There are way too many scams to go through. They're everywhere. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, do we want to do this next one or should we? You want to do one more? We can do one more. We can talk about um, 
Okay, let's talk about some bills. Talk about this real quick. So um, there is a bill going through Congress to give money to churches um, after the, after Hurricane Sandy. Um, so they want to give t- my tax money to churches that don't pay taxes and uh, c- apparently didn't have enough insurance to cover themselves. Um, I, I'm and so House Bill. Uh, it's a federal House Bill HR five nine two. Um, it actually passed the House. Um, it acts see act to permanently allow federal grant money to go to districts to rebuild churches. And I have a link in here to see how your representative voted. And so I went through and I looked at how Colorado did. Big fail. Um, so we have. Well, it's kind of like that meatloaf song, right? Three out of four ain't bad. Yeah. Well, this is what two of seven ain't bad. No, you got three. No, we don't. Is that you? No, no, nope. no, no, no. This is this is oh, this is the yeah, big if could, problem. If I could read, that'd be really. Yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. So I mean, so Diana Degat said nay. Jared Polis said nay. Democrats, great. The Republicans, we expected to say yay, right? I mean, give me a break. But Ed Perlmutter, who should be shamed from District 7, my district, voted yay on this bill. Um, and I signed the, I, you know, I sent him the information and the petition, you know, saying, hey, don't, don't, do not do this. Um, but he did it anyway. So, so yeah, so the, he's the only Democrat from our state that, you know, that gave them money. Uh, I would have been surprised if these other guys didn't. I mean, there's no way Kaufman wouldn't. There's no way Lamborn didn't do it. Uh, I don't know as much about um, about Garner and uh, Tipton, um, but uh, you know, Lamborn's terrible and Kaufman's a complete douche. Um, but Perlmutter, um, you know, I who I, who I like, you know, I've talked to several times. I mean, he seems like a good guy, um, but he he was he failed on this one. So two out of seven. It's pretty sad. Right. And, and, you know, it, it comes back to those kind of things where, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit at the debate last night about, you know, people are like, why do you care so much about this if people believe in God? Blah, 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 blah. Why do you care if you're an atheist? Just go and sit in your corner and not believe and, you know, that, that'd be fine. And I, I just don't think people realize yeah. how much this stuff happens all the well, time. Well, if they paid taxes, I might not, I, I, I would, I would care less about this, right? Because then at least they're being taxed as businesses. But here's the thing is that this is a failure on these churches for not having insurance. Insurance is supposed to cover these things. And I realize that flood insurance um, is probably a scam in and of itself, um, but they didn't have it. And so when they don't have it, you know, most people just get screwed. But if you're a church, you know what? Let's help you out. We know you don't give us anything, but let's help you out. That's bullshit. And I saw something on Facebook. I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick. Just one of those memes that doesn't have any research behind it or anything about uh, about how much money they spend. The churches spend uh, total in the U.S. It's some some kind of like three hundred million dollars and stuff. They spend lobbying Congress every year, and in total, they're saving seventy eight billion dollars by being tax exempt. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you could get that kind of return on investment, you'd make that bet all day long. It's insane. All I don't right. know exactly. I, I yeah. don't have the data to back that up, but yeah, that's okay. I, I don't doubt it either. I mean, you see how much money is spent in these things. It's pretty crazy. All right. So, what is this one you've got up here, Michael? Uh, House Bill 1066 was just postponed indefinitely in committee, and basically, it's a really vague bill that was introduced oh. in Colorado. Um, where basically nothing can infringe upon religious exercise. 
um, and it would basically overturn all sorts of decisions, you know, uh, in the future. Things like uh, not having the Ten Commandments in a courtroom, you know. Uh, uh, I was going to say, I thought it's that... basically so sweeping that uh, the reason why it's just been postponed indefinitely in a committee and it's going to die a, a, a death in that committee is because it's so retarded. Hmm. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's basically going against the the uh, minority's freedom to be free from their religious exercise and, and basically allowing people to uh, have a lot more <clears throat> religious freedom exercise uh, in things like uh, schools. Yeah, so so uh, when, when they, they want to use something as vague as that to then apply to something like putting creationism in a, in a school, that's when it's going to become a problem. And, and it's the vague wording of it that's very tricky. You know, it's basically starts, it'll start with this law, and then it'll, it'll uh, compound with other bills that will attach on to it. Um, but uh, luckily it was recognized right away in the committee that it, that it was uh, postponed in. Um, then next we have coming up uh, House Bill 1086 in Colorado. Um, and this is actually a good one where, or sorry, uh, 1081 rather. Um, it's going to be the Comprehensive Human Sexuality uh, in K-12 through Education Bill. And basically the, the, the words that, that are in it that skeptics will love Two words, evidence-based, you know. Um, right now, the way it's written, it says comprehensive education, which is the exact opposite of abstinence-only education, which, and it'll make it uh, mandatory education. That's not – I mean, we haven't – I don't think we've had a huge problem with that here in Colorado. I mean, certainly my sex education in the state was not abstinence-only. It was, it was evidence-based. Well, yes. that was a long time been, ago, too, right? Yeah, because I'm an old man. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't see, been. Open see, Michael, I'm hitting everybody for being old. <laughs> in 2007, there was a bill that did very much the same thing, but there were so many loopholes in that that uh, the the problem areas in our state that wanted to teach absence-only education have found those loopholes already. So now we have to word it a different way and make a different law to close all those loopholes, and that's what uh, House Bill 1081 would be. Hmm. All right. All right, so those are good. We like those. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, these other things can wait. Let me see if I remember what this one is. Oh, a clergy project. Oh, okay. This was, you know, and actually, we, um, I, I, who was it that we talked to that was in Colorado that was from the clergy project? Do you guys remember who that, what his name was? I've got it written down somewhere. I actually think Ladder we need Waiter or something like that. Yeah, we need to talk to him. We, we, I, I, we need to get him on the on the show. He, he, he goes out with the um, the atheists here in town. Um, but this was interesting because um, they're announcing um, what job training for for these for these cleric people who need it. So the clergy project is is a basically a support group for people that are in the clergy. And uh, it, that have become atheists that don't, can't tell anybody, and until they can, you know, figure out how to get out and how to survive. And so it looks like they've decided to add um, job training. Um, yeah. So employment transitional um, assistance grant. Oh, okay. So it's so it's a grant to to help people out while they're transitioning from uh, from the clergy to uh, whatever they're going to do next, so that they can support themselves. 
Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I, 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 I think the, the Krillogy project is, is interesting in and of itself. Um, but the problem has always been, you know, what are the, what are you going to do once you leave the clergy? How are you going to, how are you going to take care of yourself? Um, the gentleman here in town was getting a, um, he, he, he was getting his doctorate, um, in religion. And I asked him, what are you going to do? He says, well, I'm going to do consulting. So he has some idea of how he's going to use that degree that he's going to go ahead and finish anyway. So he has his doctorate. Um, so I don't know who, what kind of consulting exactly he'll be doing, but it'd be interesting to talk to him about that because that, that's always, that's always the question with these programs is you've trained your life to do, you know, to do that. Now you don't believe. What are you going to do? I can tell you that Jeff Satterwhite from That's the Pledge Project yes. is going to be speaking at uh, UCCS, and it's a joint meeting between the Freethinkers and the SSA group on UCCS, the new one. Yeah, that's who I was and thinking of. That'll be uh, March 21st. Okay. So, so good stuff there. I mean, that's just positive moving forward stuff. So, and that's, I think that's it. I don't, I don't want to cover anything else. All right. You guys satisfied? That's all she wrote. Yeah. So have I have I have I imparted knowledge to you this evening? I would say so. You feel like you can protect yourself better, or do you feel like fuck it, fuck it, fuck it? That's what fuck I'm it. afraid of. Here's You've inspired my... me to buy a few more uh, Girl Scout cookie boxes because they actually don't discriminate. Oh, and the they, the lemon ones are back, and they are so good. Yes, you know I I made myself some shortbread cookies this week. And I no longer desire the Girl Scout cookie shortbread cookies, so. Yeah, shortbread's easy, but those lemon ones are so good. All right, say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. You have mail. All right. Email from my buddies overseas. Uh, Let's see how you're all doing. Oh, 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 that is just tragic. Oh, that breaks my heart. Well, of course I'll help. The most trusted man in Nigeria in me, they have no doubt. For every day, email from Nigeria asks me to help out. They have a lot of cash in Nigeria, they're trying to get out. And all these wealthy folks in Nigeria think I have the clout to bribe the border guards and customs men and meet them where they went. To get the cash out from its stash And I'll get 40% I am the most trusted man in Nigeria I will not let them down They only want my bank account To get the money out of town I am the most trusted man in Nigeria And so I get no rest I'm not sure how my friends in Nigeria got my home address. But lots of rich folks die in Nigeria without a son or daughter. No wonder they want out of Nigeria, it's something in the water. And they speak with faith and gratitude, they're frightened and distraught. They say that I'm their only hope, they're worse off than I thought. I am the most trusted man in Nigeria, Sudan, and Namibia, too. The continent of Africa, trust me, so why don't you? So, let's see what's in the old mailbox today. Award notification, Viagra, cheap Cialis. I hate spam. Oh, wait, wait, what do we got here? Sincere request for business relationship? Client, wife, and only daughter involved in a ghastly car accident? 
Good thing they got a hold of me. All these wealthy people who have sacrificed so much But have nobody else with whom they'd rather keep in touch They say that I'm their go-to guy, cool-headed, brave, and smart Those qualities not seen by my co-workers at Walmart Hicks So I'm helping friends in Nigeria send out their cash in crates. They sure do have tough laws in Nigeria and sky-high FedEx rates. I only hope one day in Nigeria the good times will come round. But meanwhile I'm right here for Nigeria, I will not let them down. Last night I counted up just how much all these cash transfers are worth. Nine times the money that exists in all the banks on earth. I am the most trusted man in Nigeria, and now I hope you see. The world economy is at stake. It all depends on me. I am the most trusted man in Nigeria, and I will never fail. So if you got some cash in Nigeria, send me some email. Well, my PayPal account access is limited. Oh, dang. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 License. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. This week's podcast included the song, I'm the Most Trusted Man in Nigeria, by Tom Smith. Find him at tomsmithonline.com. Links also in the show notes. 